Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Stop avoiding your erectile dysfunction issue. Peak Performance for Men is offering your best offer yet. Call today to book your free consultation and free blood flow evaluation. 1-800-210-8181. Peak Performance for Men helps over 80% of men who receive the treatment experience long-term improvement. Let the experts at Peak Performance for Men help you today. All it takes is one phone call for a free consultation, free blood flow evaluation. Call 1-800-210-8181. That's 1-800-210-8181. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All Hit Radio To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Dr. Dr. I'm sorry, Gregory Jantz. And Dr. Jantz is going to be talking to me about a topic that is... Forefront in the news uh, is repeated violence at schools making kids more anxious. Well, as you all remember, the Sandy Hook Elementary School was followed by rumors, lockdowns, beefed up security, and rampant 
uncertainty within schools across the United States and Canada, for that matter. Today, Alabama police are trying to free a child kidnapped from a school bus by a gunman. They were not, they were able to free the child, but unfortunately, the, um, the person who had kidnapped the, the child and killed the bus driver was, uh, was taken out or taken down or put out of his misery by law enforcement officials during the rescue. The child is safe and sound in a hospital right now. And um, this is a quote from Dr. Jantz. It can afford even the most mentally and emotionally healthy students. And, of course, Dr. Jantz is a psychologist and the author of When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House. His website is www.aplaceofhope.com. And, Dr. Jantz, first of all, welcome to the X-Zone. And why are we seeing more and more violence? And how does this affect the children who are not only part of the violence in the school, but who see it on television and read about it in the newspapers? You know, it's a great question. What we're seeing is high, high anxiety among kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's uh, younger kids exhibit this in certain ways, older kids in different ways. But this is so important we're talking about this because it's very real right now for many, many kids. That's right. Um, you know, how, how did... Is, is this something new that we're seeing with children, the, the, uh, the anxiety, or has it been caused by other factors in the past that aren't that media-worthy? Well, you know, one of the things that's happened is uh, we're seeing more and more shootings and uh, mass shootings, mm-hmm. and what we're finding is it's almost as though we're treating this as tragic to say, but as though this is a p- normal part of our society. There's a part of this that's almost been normalized. Well, I'm telling you, as a former police officer myself, I find that alarming. Mind you, I I see what's going on in the world today, and from when I was a policeman 20 years ago to the way things are going today, it's two different worlds. You know, it is two different worlds. And one of the things that's happening is we've got uh, about 10% of our teenagers that really fall into a category of what we'll call clinical depression. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that there's a lot of reasons for this, but this is also creating a very desperate uh, group of teenagers, and we're going to see some things happen as we are, and uh, we'll talk more about that. But uh, this depression and addiction among our teens continues to grow. Dr. Jens, please stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Exxon Nation, the question we're asking our guest this hour, Dr. Gregory Jens, is the repeated violence at schools making kids more anxious? question today. We're, we're watching the television, the CNN breaking news of the events that where this child of five years old was kidnapped off a bus. The bus driver tried to save the child. The bus driver was killed, buried. It took all this time for authorities to make a move. The FBI hostage team decided that the escalation had reached a level where the child's life was in danger more than it was already, and the FBI took the appropriate action. 1-800-610-7035, Worldwide Toll Free. My name is Rob McConnell. Dr. Gregory Jantz is our special guest, and his website is aplaceofhope.com. Don't go away.
the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Dr. Gregory Jans is my special guest. Uh, he has more than 25 years' experience in mental health counseling and is the founder of the Center for Counseling and Health Resources near Seattle, Washington. The center is a place for hope, provides comprehensive, coordinated care from a treatment team that addresses medical, physical, psychological, emotional, nutritional, fitness, and spiritual factors involved in recovery. He is the best-selling author of more than 20 books on the topics from Depression to Eating Disorders. His website is www.aplaceofhope.com. Are you seeing younger and younger people these days, doctor, compared to, let's say, 10, 15 years ago? You know, we are. It's not unusual to see kids 11, 12, 13 years old who, um, if not depressed, they've already begun some uh, addiction issues. So, yes, this is something that is increasing in our work, and we work with you know, situations mm -hmm. and families around the country. In your opinion, sir, what is the number one factor? That's contributing to this? Well, we know yes, right sir. now the average age to exposure to pornography on the Internet is about age 11. Uh, we know that kids are, which is frightening to, to even say that, uh, we know that kids are uh, the over-sexualization of our, our culture and the uh, girls who are really the pressures and the growing up, you know, the two-thirds of sixth-grade girls have already been on some form of a restrictive diet. So when mm -hmm. we look at all that, we, we really see that, you know what, there's some issues that are serious that are starting early on. So are you saying it's the sexuality, the sexual aspect of society that is causing these problems? No, I think it's just one. If we, if we look at all the different... Uh, uh, stress points that we have. We have a generation of kids mm -hmm. who live in an entitlement. There's this entitlement going on, and with entitlements brought a generation of kids who, like I say, 10% who uh, really identify with being depressed. 
we also uh, see that uh, with the depression comes this entitlement and despair and hopelessness. There's a real apathy about their futures. What happened to change all this? When, when I was a kid, and I'm sure when you were a kid, we, we all had goals. Yeah. We all wanted to, to get out there and prove ourselves to the world, be, be, a, be a contributing member of society, you know, and... You know what? What's dumbing the kids down? I, you know, like, I, is it the internet? Is it the, the, the high technology that they have? It, you know, w- there's got to be something that that hit the off switch. Well, one of the things that's happening is, you know, we have the technology and we have the uh, kids who are really overstimulating their brains. You know, mm-hmm. they're eight, ten, eleven, twelve years old, and uh, there's not good boundaries around. Maybe it's game or screen time, and there's this overstimulation. And uh, we know overstimulated brain ultimately over time is going to create a depressed brain. And a depressed brain, um, you know, really paves the way for both uh, uh, craving for addiction. And so we're seeing that, uh, you know, some of the research mm-hmm. has shown us this overstimulation of the brain early on uh, obviously is not good. What are some of the signs that a child has problems that, or, or what might the child do that would re- be a red flag to parents? Well, one of the things that obviously is a red flag is a kid that's isolated. We're looking at a kid who's uh, maybe disconnected from not only their family but from their mm-hmm. peers. And as the more isolated they become, uh, the more unpredictable they become. We look for a kid that maybe's had some recent academic failure. Maybe there's a kid that feels, um, you know, that they're being bullied and bully behavior. The number one predictor that we're finding of of future potential violence with our kids is a sense that they've been persecuted, a sense that they in some way have been wronged. Many of these situations we've been dealing with and the the shootings and and teens, you see a teenager that feels that they've been persecuted. You know, when I was at school, and I'm sure when you were at school as well, there, there, there were always those bullies. But I often yeah. wonder, Doctor, if it's mom and dad that are causing a lot of this persecution, not by treating the child in a negative way as such, but, you know, by either not being able to give their child what Tom, Dick, and Harry have at school, or giving the child everything that the others don't have. Yes. And that's where this entitlement comes in. Mm-hmm. We live in a one-click you know, society, and, and kids develop what I call low-impulse control. They're just impulsive, and and there's not been good containment around all the stimulation in in their lives. So uh, you're right on when you say that. It, it's, let's say a student seems fine and doesn't mention any concerns or doesn't show any concerns. Should mom and dad discuss incidents with him anyway, him or her anyway? You know... I think we want to be careful. We want to be very age-appropriate for this. For example, um, you know, I have a 10-year-old boy and I have a 13-year-old mm-hmm. boy, and one of the things that uh, I did was uh, when the Sandy Hook shootings came along, you know, I simply just asked them what they talked about in school. Is there anything in the news? So we always, with the younger ones, want to start with a basis of knowledge where they're at. We want to be very careful we're not overwhelming them with too much information or too much media. And, you know, like my son said, he said, well, I heard there were shootings and some kids got hurt, but I don't really understand it. And so uh, really to again, take where they're at with this. And then, of course, they're going to have questions. Allow them to have questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's, it's 
so important, again, in dealing with this anxiety among our kids right now. And yet it's so hard to control the amount of access the kids have to the media these days with the iPhones, the iPads, the desktop computers, the laptop computers. It's a technological age, and information is instantaneous. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They're going to, they, they always, you know, there's always a new, next new app, yep. app that comes along, and it, they, they know it before we do. Are, are, so, are our children getting too old too fast? I think they're growing up too fast. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of, of kids and play, and uh, I'm concerned about just even the lack of physical activity that we're seeing. So, yes. It's certainly showing on the size of the kids these days. Um, Isn't it, though? Oh, you, yeah. know, it, you know, even the households are, are changing. Uh, Mom and Dad don't sit down anymore and have dinner with the kids, and when they do go out to the restaurant... Everybody's got their iPad out. They're texting their friends, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. You know, should society should society take a look at what is happening with all the technological innovations and say, "Hey, listen, there's a major problem here, and if we don't stop it now, or if we don't address the problem now, five years, ten years down the road, we're going to have mega problems." I think it's so important that we look at that, and I'm so glad that you've mentioned that because. We need to be talking about this now. Sure. We need to be able to uh, address this with our kids and keep these open open discussion. What are some of the signs, Doctor, that a child has problems and the child should be brought to a, a mental health practitioner? Well, you know, I mentioned isolation yeah. earlier, academic failure, a younger kid that has physical complaints that don't mm-hmm. seem to go away, a headache, a stomachache. Uh, uh, they can't sleep. Sleep always is an uh, important one to look at. There's the kids that may be struggling as well with um, uh, nightmares. And so these are things wow. that we've just got to be looking at. Absolutely. Seems uh, I, I wouldn't want to be a kid these days. Well, I think there is more challenges, yeah. yes. You know, the biggest challenge uh, back when I was a youth was who we were going to take to the Friday night dance. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, yeah. Yep. and you know, I talked to yeah. I talked to parents about the cell phone phenomenon, and there are kids out there at seven, eight years of age who have cell phones. And, and I said, well, "Does your child really need a cell phone?" Well, I, I I need to be in contact with him. Why? Right, right. You see, if I had my way, you know, I I would put a damping unit throughout all the schools that. These, these, uh, these, uh, there wouldn't be Wi-Fi accessibility or outside accessibility using the electronic ga- gadgets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, and, you know, here's what's happening. That's part of that overstimulation of, of the brain because really a cell phone is really a smartphone, which is really a computer. Yep. And with out what we're giving a child. Will it help reassure children if we become more protective of them, or should we? How do we gauge the amount of protection that a child should get in today's society? Well, this one's difficult. I don't like overexposure to media. I don't mm-hmm. personally, and I'm just giving my my Dr. Jan's I don't like list. I, I'll <laughs> okay. go with that. I'll like go with that. Per, I don't like the first person shooter games. Mm-hmm. Oh, neither do I. Uh, and. Um, what we're allowing. I think we need to step back. You know, I've had to evaluate what we're allowing in our home and uh, and, and the images, and uh, we've had some discussions around 
this, and we keep it an open topic. It's mm-hmm. so important we continue to talk about these things. And by the way, uh, when tragedy and shootings occur, uh, kids will experience, they, they, in some, no matter the age, this is on some level because it's gone in their mind. And I think it's important that we just are aware, you know, the younger kids are going to internalize more, and, and maybe the words that the older kids are using and acting out, let's be really aware of that. You know, you, you said that one of the signs that there may be a problem was isolation. And in today's yeah. world, with with all the Wi-Fi access that, that kids have for their smartphones, how do we know if a child is actually isolating themselves or if they're not using their technology to communicate with the outside world? And is there a difference? You know, one of the things that's happening is, uh, with, I'm going to say with this overstimulation, mm-hmm. uh, things get really cloudy for our kids. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm concerned with them not making good decisions and, and being impulsive. So sometimes I think even kids get mislabeled as attention deficit issues when um, it's really something else going on. Dr. Jens, please stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, my special guest of this hour is Dr. Gregory Jantz. His website is www.aplaceofhope.com. And um, Dr. Jantz is the author of a new book that's out called When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House. Once again, his website, www.aplaceofhope.com. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is The Exon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, and the good doctor and I will return on the other side of this commercial break with the news right here in the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. Don't go away. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exoneradiotv.com
Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Gregory Jantz is my special guest. He's the author of When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House, www.aplaceofhope.com. And, um, you, know, you know, something that I'd like to ask you, sir, is when did all the Ritalin start getting into the hands and systems of children? And, you know, once again, going back in time, I don't remember kids taking Ritalin. And all these other drugs? You know, it's a concern. I think right now one of the things that we're seeing as we work with these situations is too often we're probably quick to Mm -hmm. uh, give a pill in hopes that that's going to solve everything. Some of the research is showing us that, uh, you know, the the developing brain is a growing brain, and it's growing up to about age 25. Uh, Too much stimulation, uh, too much uh, altering of the brain chemistry, uh, for some, simply, uh, the research is just saying this is not a good idea to do. Now, uh, I do find there are times where, in our situations that we've seen, that uh, a medication can be appropriate. I don't want us to do that mm-hmm. as the very first and the only thing. What should be the first steps, then? One of the first steps, we need to look at the whole person. We need to look at uh, what's going on in, in, the, in the kid's life. I even look at diet and nutrition. My goodness, the average teenage diet alone, you know, just looking at the sugar and now so much caffeine and energy drinks. So I'm going to look at everything going on and look for all the missing pieces to the puzzle. Is it possible that we need to re-educate parents on how to be parents, uh, that they're not clicking into everything they should be because they themselves are knee-deep in technology? Well... I think we need to look at that's a great question. We sure do need to look at what we're modeling, don't mm-hmm, we? Sure do. And what you know, if we're want our kid off the texting and we're walking around the house with our smart device, you know, uh, running into the walls because we're texting, um, <laughs> we need to look at what it is we're modeling. Absolutely. So, so what do we do? Do you know, like I here in our home, when you come in, if you've got a cell phone or a smartphone you leave it at the door you're here to see us you come and see us pick your cell phone up on the way out sure one of the things that we do uh our kids Mm -hmm. uh, they have to be on the charger in the kitchen area at eight o'clock yeah uh each night or or you don't have it the next day and we don't allow texting on the way to school one of the things that we talk about is the kids that you maybe you've texted with are at school the kids you're going to talk to in person (laughs) so (laughs) I often wonder what the kids of tomorrow are going to be like. God forbid if there was a power failure and there was no more there was no more uh, wireless service. <laughs> there you go. You know? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We need to have be able to have real what we call real relationships. And we don't and have that uh, anymore. That, yes, real relationships. It's funny because even on holidays, the family unit isn't the way it used to be. It's not a matter of going to see the family and spending time with the family. It's, let's see what I can get for Christmas or my birthday, and, you know, thanks very much. In fact, don't give me any money. Don't give me a gift. Just give me a card to Best Buy. Hmm. Well, that's tragic. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Do you think that there's a problem or that a possible part of the problem is within the school structure itself and that there isn't the, the um, 
I'm, I'm watching how I phrase this. There isn't the attention to the social skills as much as there should be. In fact, I, I had a lady on the show a couple of weeks ago who wrote a book about etiquette when using your smartphone. Yes. Well, I think this low impulse control situation where I'm just being impulsive and mm-hmm. and they, the kid may not even realize or adult even, you know, the average adult checks their device how many times in a day? Yeah. It's over 60 now. Wow. Unreal. So, and so we don't even realize that's what we're doing. That is unreal. 60 times. <laughs> yeah. That's just the average. Do you, do you recommend parents go out and get their children these smartphones? Do parents, is it for the child or is it for the parent that the line of communication must be maintained? And is it possible, sir, that the smartphone is an extension of the umbilical cord to the parent? <laughs> it could be. Well, we know that um, we don't give a kid anything without uh, having appropriate boundaries around it mm-hmm. and what, what the rules are. And uh, and that you have the passwords uh, to anything. We uh, approach it. This is on on loan, and uh, you can uh, earn it. It's something that is respected. And uh, at any time, we can check and see what's going on. There are not secrets. I applaud that. I really do, sir. Let's talk a, a moment, if we could, Doctor, about bullying. A big topic in school. It's as big a topic as the school shootings themselves. What can a parent do if they believe their child is being bullied? And what can a child do if they are the target of a bully? Well, one of the things, of course, bully runs on, on fear. And I mentioned that so often a kid that doesn't do anything really ends up feeling persecuted and that persecution means that they feel as though uh, ultimately they've got to get uh, revenge. They have to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is frightening in that um, many of the kids who act out with great violence have felt persecuted. So this is a telling us that we've got to deal with a kid that feels bullied um, a lot of times. Um, uh, I mean, with the whole thing of telling and must be dealt with is so important. But remember, kids may not tell because of fear. This is where we've got to be just alert to the signs and the symptoms and to what's going on so that we can really have a better understanding of, you know, if you see a kid and your kid's isolated, they're afraid to go to school and they're saying things, uh, we need to listen to that about what potentially is underneath that. What What would a parent do if they found out their child is the bully? How should a parent approach this problem? Well, um, I think one of the things that we need to really give them assurance, we need to be there physically. They need Mm -hmm. a lot of physical assurance, and uh, they need to see us take the lead. This may be taking the lead in in the school place. Uh, We need to also find out uh, those places Physically, where I mean, in the in the school, where are they been the most vulnerable? And um, really, to understand that bullying comes in various forms. Emotional abuse can be a form of bully behavior. A kid that's emotionally ridiculed. It doesn't have to be physical behavior. So that's what's so important for us to understand. 
There's a lot of bullying being done on the social media systems, uh, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter. They're all being used as a conveyance to electronically bully a child. You know, where do you where does the I, line get drawn? Yes. Pardon? This is, oh, you're so right. And this is why, for example, we don't allow texting on the way to school. Mm-hmm. Kids will say and do things on a text that they won't do in person. Uh, we are always braver and bolder online than what we would be in person. Hmm. So we need to keep that in mind. It seems that family values are not as strong as they used to be. The family unit itself is not as strong as it used to be. Children are being left to the care and control of technology instead of mom or dad or, or a babysitter or another sibling. Right. We've talked about the, uh, the iPhones. We've talked about the video games. And, and I agree with you, sir. They should be taken off the yeah. shelves. And when, you know, the kids, kids are yeah. being inundated with violence. You get points for being violent. It's as though it's rewarded. You're, yeah. you're right. Mom, how about the the family where mom and dad just can't do it anymore? They split, or the family where, in order to make ends meet for the betterment of the family, you've got mom and dad working two jobs each. How does this affect a child? Yeah. Well, I think there's a fragmentation that occurs. There's also, the, you know, there's the needs for safety and mm-hmm. security, and uh, for the kid a lot of times this is taking away from that sense of security uh they're not uh, feeling uh secure they're feeling divided so you know there's times we just we've got to spend the physical time with the kids being present with them it's anxious kid to set with them to physically be with them to invest mm-hmm. some extra time uh i'll just tell you it goes goes great uh, a lot of mileage out of just that physical presence of the parent yeah. You know, with all our children, you know, I, I would tuck them in at night, give them a kiss, let them know they're loved, always be around yeah, for them. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, it's it, it it's so important to have that one-on-one contact, to sit down at a supper table with the entire family and say, so how did your day go today? What's yeah. new at school? Wow, Dad really wants to know about this. And I and I think we've we've gotten away from that. Like fast food, drive-throughs, drive-through banks, drive-through coffee shops, drive-through funeral parlors. You know, it, we're a drive-through society. We need to stop and smell the roses. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. You know, you talk to people like this, and they look at you as if you have three heads. Like, come on, what are we teaching our yeah. children? And and you know, we're in a society that the children watch us. The children take notes, and this is how they are going to lead their children. And, and I think that we've got to do something about this. And I, and I think that with what we're seeing, the violence in schools, the violence on television, the violence in, in video games, we are teaching kids to be violent. Or it's, am I wrong? It's, it's, being imprinted on them as though this is something that's uh, uh, normal or okay, yes. You know, when kids look up to their sports heroes, well, with all the problems with drug enhancement these days, what are we? What are they looking at? Well, geez, you know, this guy could take it. Look sure. where it got him, you know? 
And then, in the case of Lance Armstrong, he denies everything for so long, and then he decides to come clean and say, right. you know what, I did take drugs. But what was his motive for coming clean? <laughs> exactly. There could be a lot of opinions on that, right? Exactly. And if you want to come clean, why go on the Oprah show? Why not do it at a press conference with everybody? Well, because the press conference won't pay you like Oprah pays you. They're, you know, cause and effect. How do we change this? You know, like, like you were saying that we control what the children see in the media, but how do we control that when they're out of our reach? That's right. And you know what? We're not. And so we're going to teach them to be good stewards of what goes in their minds. And we're going to be in a culture where there's constant bombardment coming at them. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is why we have a thing we call technology detox. We take a, we take a one day break from it all. <laughs> so, you know, what are we putting in our minds? How do people react, react to that one day of uh, technology detox? Yes. Well, you know, if, uh, the most recent survey we have here is about 64% of Americans, if they can't get online within an hour, they feel disconnection anxiety. Oh, my gosh. And I, I would just say that that is uh, really saying that this is a problem, and I don't want to live with anxiety, so I'm going to actually uh, work on it, being free from that in a day so that that's not controlling me. That's you. But. That's all of us. Yes, you, you got it. Exactly, exactly. Like, I look forward to the, uh, the to the Internet being done so I can get away from the computer for a while. <laughs> yep. You know, we had a major power failure up here in Ontario six, seven years yeah. ago that the entire grid was down. And we had no power for four days. I loved it. Oh, I yeah. loved it. You know, you were able to talk. There was no TV. You could read something called a book. Do you remember that? Paper had printing on it. You could read a there book, you go. board games, laughing, and I was sad to see the power come back on. Yes. But that's me. Doctor, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. Great having you with us, and congratulations on a great book and all the wonderful work that you do. Thank you. Exonation, Dr. Gregory Jans is our guest. The website is very simple and it's one that you should go to www.aplaceofhope.com that's www.aplaceofhope.com 1-800-610-7035 worldwide toll free email at exxonradiotv.com and uh, I'm always looking forward to your emails you can always send an email to Exxon at xzoneradiotv.com. Once again, Exxon Nation, Dr. Jance's book is entitled When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House. Once again, www.aplaceofhope.com. And Dr. Jance and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Gregory Jantz is my special guest. Uh, his website is www.aplaceofhope.com. And we've been talking to Dr. Jantz about his new book entitled When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House. Once again, his website is www.aplaceofhope.com. First of all, Dr. Jantz, it's been a great pleasure talking to you and having you on the show. I, I admire what you are doing and, you know, all I can do is say hats off to you, sir. Congratulations on a job super done. Well, you know, this is such an important topic, and all of us know somebody with kids and, course, and yeah. uh, concern, and we just want to navigate this successfully. I've had a saying that I've used for many years, the children of today are the leaders of tomorrow. And it's up to yeah. us, it's up to us to mentor them in positive ways so that they can continue to make a positive change in this world of ours. And, you know, whether it's a child in, in, in Africa, in Libya, in Iran, in Italy, in Canada, the United States, or anywhere else in the world, these are the, these are the people that will take our world to the next step. And it's so important that we give them the right message, give them the right tools, give them the right imprinting, so to speak, in order to get us to be the best that we all can be. What would you like the people who read your book to come away with, sir? I That there's hope. You may be concerned about a teenager wondering if uh, they're, uh, this is normal, are they far off to the edge, what's going on. Mm -hmm. There's hope. And I, I say this, this is our 28th year of working with situations, and not, I want you to know you can take, I have a free as a community service online depression survey that you can go right on that website, aplaceofhope.com. Take that survey. It's going to give you a lot of good information as a place to start. But take some action today. There is hope. One final question for you, doctor. With all the controversy about having armed police officers or, or armed security personnel in the schools because of Sandy Hook Elementary and, and other schools, how will this affect a child? Do you see any pro or con to having a armed person within the school? Generally speaking, what happens is it creates a greater sense of anxiety. Really? Uh, uh, because uh, it says to the child, uh, there's something wrong here or something could happen here. There's tentative danger. There's a potential danger, wow. yes. Doctor, once again, it's been great having you with us. Um, let our listeners know where they can get a copy of your book. I'm sure many people would right now would say, all right, Rob, let him tell us where we can buy his book. Well, you can go to aplaceofhope.com. It's probably the fastest and easiest way. And don't forget to take the online survey as well. And take the survey. Dr. Gregory Jens, thank you very much for joining us, sir. A great pleasure, and continue the great work. Thank you. Bye-bye, sir. Exonation Dr. Gregory Jantz has been my guest this hour. His new book, When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House, it's available at on his website at www.aplaceofhope.com. That's www.aplaceofhope.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon Radio TV show continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Exxon Nation, if you'd like to get copies of the X Chronicles newspaper, our DVDs with all the music that we use here that we create ourselves here at the Exxon, or if you'd like to get any of the books that we publish, all you have to do is go to www.amazon.com and in the search engine put R-E-L hyphen 
M-A-R. Relmar. It's that simple. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. <laughs> 